Hi, this is Peter Rivera, and I'm the original drummer and lead singer of the group Rare Earth. We've had a long career, 50 years. We've played all over the world. We've recorded many, many albums and lots of hit singles. I'm going to talk about them all. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the stories. So we were home, packing up, getting ready to go to New York. The big time, Peppermint Lounge. Joey D and the Starlighters had made the Peppermint Lounge famous, and everybody, all the actors and, and, and who's who of the society people, they all went to the Peppermint Lounge to dance the twist and see the shows. And, and it was just a great, great time. So here we were. Joey D was going to end his engagement, and we were the next band. So we packed our cars, and we were going to leave now. I had bought myself a 65 Corvette. It was the most beautiful car I've ever had. I just loved it. And the funny thing is, is when we were going to go to New York, we were going for like four months. And I told my dad, I says, well, you know, I'm going to, my car is going to stay here, so you might as well sell it. You know, back then, nobody knew about, you know, Corvettes being so important as the years rolled on. But anyway, I went to New York, and my dad, uh, I didn't know what was going on with the car. Anyways, we got to New York, and they had arranged for us to stay in the St. James Hotel, which was a hotel of notoriety in the music business, uh, Lots of people stayed there whenever they came to the Big Apple. So we checked in our rooms. We had like three guys in each room. We put aluminum foil on the windows so the sun would stay out. And we went to the permanent lounge. We found out that we had to rehearse for the dancing girls and guys. You know, they had a big show they put on. And we had to learn all the music to back the show. And then we had to play in the club regular for like nine to two, just normal sets, you know. So we would go to the Peppermint, on, we'd get up in the hotel, wake up actually about four or five o'clock. And everybody would start getting ready and we'd take off, toward, walk a couple blocks to 45th of Broadway. We'd stop and get something to eat, you know. And we'd get to the club and of course we started playing at nine o'clock and... and uh, when we finished at 1 o'clock in the morning, we had a half hour or so, and now rehearsals are going to start. So we did two, three, four hours at, you know, till like 6 in the morning. And then went back to our hotel and, and uh, you know, went to sleep about 7 or 8 o'clock. Sometimes we'd all go bowling before we came back to the hotel and, you know, and they would sleep and get get up again at 4 or 5 in the afternoon. That's why we had to darken our windows with aluminum foil because we didn't, we had to have it be night during the day. So, you know, that was what we did in New York. But now uh, we rehearsed those shows for like the first week or two till we had it all down. And now we were going to start playing the music for the shows, and we participated in the shows. It was a 
really kind of a cool thing. They had the dancers and guys dancing, and we did certain songs, and they, they, uh, you know, did their little acting skills, kind of like a mini Broadway stage thing. It was great fun. We were working like dogs, you know. And there was a little guy that owned the club. He was a little tiny guy, Italian, smoking a cigar, walking around, smoking a cigar. And he came up to us a couple nights after we were there, and he goes, uh, hey, why don't you guys get a little professional here and get some clothes? You know, so, well, what the hell? So now we found out that let's go get on the, the train and go over to Philadelphia to the garment district. So off we go. And we're over the garment district. We find these suits. They were really cool suits. We got a dark blue one and a gray one. I think they were like 15 bucks for the whole suit. I mean, it was so cheap. It was unbelievable. So now we come back to the Peppermint Lounge. You know, we got, okay, we're going to wear gray suits tonight with the red ties and the whole thing. Because, you know, in New York, people came to the clubs. They're kind of dressed up pretty good. You know, it wasn't like a, a dive bar in, in somewhere in the country somewhere. This was downtown New York. So we kind of had to look the part. Well, that was great. We had a great time doing that. And, and uh, lots of things happened in New York there. Uh, we got to know a few of the girls in the show. And uh, one of the guys in the band was fooling around with this one girl. And one night we're on a break and I'm in the kitchen. And uh, I think it was Russ. He comes in and he goes, Peter. Come on, man, you gotta help. He's in trouble, this guy's in trouble. I went, what? So I come out around the corner and here is one of the guys in the band against the wall. And there's like 15 guys standing there. And it turns out that they were longshoremen. And one of the girls in the show kind of belonged to this one certain guy. And I thought that our band member was going to get wasted right there because it looked pretty serious. And I didn't do anything because I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to die over something like that. So I just, you know, kind of tried to say whatever I could and then meandered away. And it, it kind of broke up. So nothing really happened, but it was really scary because you don't want to mess with the longshoremen in New York. I mean, it's, you know, now we know. So we got out of that one and finished our time, you know, at the Peppermint Lounge. It was a great, great experience. And meantime, we were booking back at the Cliché. And Bill Williams, he was the owner. He had a big picture blown up. We took, we took some pictures at Times Square. There we were, the Sunliners in New York. Right in the middle of Times Square, we snapped a couple of pictures. It was great. And so we sent that back to uh, the cliche, and he blew a big picture up. And he says, you know, coming straight from New York after their incredible engagement, here they come. Well, this is great, you know, Sunliners, here they come. We came back to Detroit, and I, I kind of said, hey, Dad, where's my car? He says, well, we sold it. I said, you sold it? 
Oh, man. You know, I paid about $4,300 for that car. Sold it for 3100 And it was less than a year old. But what are you going to do? You know, it is what it is. And that was 1966. And, you know, what are you going to do? So anyways, we got back to Detroit and uh, started up at the Cliché. We had packed crowds, just huge crowds. It was a great time, great time. People were pretty happy to see us back there. And uh, it was really nice, really nice. Downtown Detroit had a club called the... uh, Rooster Tail. And the Rooster Tail got its name from uh, the Shaneth family, who used to race the big 36 foot boats, the ones from, you know, uh, all the sponsors, big time sponsors. They used to race on the Detroit River, and the Rooster Tail was the name of the boat from the Shaneth family. So the Rooster Tail was a place where it had a downstairs beautiful theater and the Supremes and the Four Tops, Temptations, and other acts would come there. They really were a a show place. Well, they had it upstairs and they wanted to open that place up and call it the Upper Deck. And we got a call to, to go to the Upper Deck and play there. And, you know, this was pretty cool to go to the upper deck. So off we go and and had a great time playing there. After a nice uh, couple months engagement there at the Rooster Tail upper deck, we suddenly realized, you know, where are we going to go from here? We just can't go back to the Cliché or the Deer Hunt or any of the other clubs because we had already been, like, to New York. We were, like you know, super guys or something. It was fun. So in Lansing, Michigan, there was a club called Grandmothers. And there was another club called The Dells. And these were huge, huge clubs because, you know, their clientele was from the college, Michigan State. And... I mean, the clubs were huge, like I said, and they had a nice stage, and oh, people would come in there, and every single night we drove up there, 63 miles each way. And we would meet at this little church right at the mouth of the freeway, and we'd meet up there, and then sometimes one guy would drive with all six of us in the car, or we might take two cars or whatever, but... So every night up to the Dells and play five sets and then at one one thirty in the morning, back in the car, driving back home. <clears throat> Getting home about three o'clock, three thirty. This went on night after night after night. And we had a great time up there. Met a lot of people and, and had had a lot of fun. Uh standing there at the bar on one of my breaks. And this big black dude standing next to me, and I said, hey, how you doing, man? And we're talking, and he was a really nice guy. And I said, man, what's your name? He goes, Bubba. Bubba Smith, football. 
And I didn't know, you know, he was in college. And uh, was the great Bubba Smith, so that was nice. And, and uh, you know, we met lots of people, most of them from the college thing. And, and uh, so after we finished a few months in, at the Dells, we got out of there, came home. I, I think we played in a club in Detroit for a short time. And it might have been a place called Gino's Falcon Show Bar, which was a lot of fun, too, you know. We always had fun in all these clubs, you know, just had a great time. And I remember that uh, at Gino's, Bob Seeger came in. He sat in the back of the club. It was at the time when he had a song called Ramblin' Man. I think it was his first record. And it was really making some noise around Detroit, Chicago, Ohio, all that. Yeah. And uh, he'd come in, sit there for a while, and then he'd leave. Other nights, uh, David Rufford from The Temptations would come in. And he'd sit in the back of the club, and I'd go up and talk to him. and You know, try to coax him to come up on stage and play with us. And we did. We, we had that happen. It was great fun, you know. And Gino's was kind of a really hip in place for a while. And, uh, but eventually, you know, we played there for... For, for quite a while, had a good time. And then we were going to go up to Grandmother's in Lansing. And when we were up at Grandmother's there, we had just started, they had a special night where they were going to have this band come in and nobody had heard of them. They were called Sly and the Family Stone. So here they were in Grandmother's. And Grandmother's, you know, sat like 500 people. It was huge. And I remember sitting there. We went up to see this uh, Sly and Family Stones. I remember sitting there thinking, wow, what a cool, cool group, Sly and Family Stones. They were just great. And, uh, you know, that was kind of a highlight at Grandmother's. And, and uh, so we stayed there, played there quite a bit, and, and then we were going to go back down to Detroit to play. And we were going to go to the Rooster Tail again, Upper Deck. This time it it, uh, it it went better for us in the club because we drew a lot of people and things were looking pretty good. And it was around this time that we were approached by a guy who wanted to be our manager. This was a real sad time for me because around this time in our lives Fred Katenko was going to quit the group and he did and we got a guy on sax his name was Steve Fisher and uh, okay so we got Steve Fisher the band actually was was really sounding good you know and uh, then eventually, Ralph and Russ Tarana, the twin brothers, Ralph keyboard, Russ guitar, they were going to leave the group. And I, you know, I'm going, well, why? You know, why are you, why are you quitting the band? Well, you know, they were a little older, and they felt like, they must have felt like when they're in their early twenties. You know, it's, they kind of thought, well, it's time to, uh, 
get a real job. And I always felt that, hey, this is the real job. <laughs> I mean, this is something I worked for for years, and I don't want to quit it now. I want to stay in there and see what happens. One, two, three. Well, thanks for listening. My name is Peter Rivera, original lead singer-drummer of Rare Earth, and I really appreciate that you've listened to these podcasts. I hope you come back and check out more. I've got a lot ahead of us and a lot of the story for you, so come on back and hang with me for a while. I bring you flowers, baby, because you're the best. I'm going to treat you so much better than all the rest. I pull the chair out for you, open and close the door. 